Hey everybody, this is Ruben with 5-Minute Warning. When I decided that I wanted to make a podcast of my own, I found Anchor. Let me tell you, Anchor is free. Free. F-R-E-E. That's what I'm talking about. There are tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right on your phone or your computer. You know what? Anchor sends my podcast out to me to Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, so I ain't got to do it. Also, you can make money. I repeat, you can make money from your podcast. It's everything you need to make in a podcast all in one spot. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, look, that's what I did. Five-minute warning, almost at 100 episodes in. Get Anchor. The following program is rated M-A-L. It contains strong language. It is intended only for mature audiences. This week on the 5-Minute Warning... These are the most progressive people ever. The first people ever to press charges on somebody for having bad breath. Like, how many times have you been stuck in a conversation with somebody and you wish you could arrest them for that? If you're of an opinion when it comes to Black Lives Matter and reform the police that is diametrically opposed to mine, you're not going to enjoy these books. And to be perfectly frank, I don't want you to enjoy these books. Hold on, man. Did you just use the term bioinfrastructure? That might be the biggest word that's ever been on this show. This dude showed up with a pool floaty with no pool. I will never come out of that. This is the only thing I got out of it because when I read it, I read it three times to make sure that what I read was actually what I'm reading. I'm like, are you for real? The five minute warning. Okay, students, this is your five minute warning. I repeat, five minute warning. Silence. This is the five minute warning with Ruben Brown happening right now. Hello, everyone. Once again, another episode of the five minute warning. I am so glad that you have joined us today. This is actually a pretty cool episode. Um, yes, as you can tell, there are three of us. However, Moby has not turned white. That is JD. And we'll introduce you in a second. But of course, we do have AG always on the ones and twos. What's happening, y'all? How you doing? Um, we appreciate you listening to us either on Facebook Watch or on Twitch. Um, we are also looking to expand to maybe YouTube and some other stuff, but until all the business goes down, I can't really talk about it. Um, it really, it's nothing to talk about. I just, I felt like I should say that. Makes it sound important. But today, uh, Moby will be joining us later, um, hopefully. Um, he's, from what I can tell, he's not under the weather. He just ain't here. So, but we do have JD, I uh, hope I don't butcher your name, Coonigan? Yes. Ah, ah. yes. Yes. No problem. I was going to no say Coonigan. I thought it was Coonigan, but okay, Coonigan. All right. All right. So thank you, uh, JD, we'll call you for joining the show. Um, thank, thanks we, for having me. Oh, no problem. You know, we'll get into a little bit of the the books and stuff that you've written um, and what's the future of your books. So we'll get into that in a little bit, but I have to talk about something first that's a little bit more important, unfortunately. Not not saying that you're not important, 
But, you know, I feel like I have to get this off my chest early in the in the in the show. <laughs> As you can tell, your boy I knew it was coming. Is wearing the aforementioned Redskin, well, Washington football team, old jersey, because as everybody know, we did a little work yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Just, a, just a little bit. But I will say this. We did have help from your coach. So thank your coach. What, you did, know, our coach because, do, what did our coach do in particular that helped y'all? Well, I mean, fourth quarter, fourth and 10 on that 23, a fake punt. Not the smartest idea. Okay, I wasn't there for that. I didn't see that. Nah. Well, it was 20 to 16 going into the fourth quarter. Right. And then the rails just came off. Yeah, it did. Like, I, it I guess did. he decided, hey, we tank it for Trevor, for Trevor, so we ain't got to pay the other dude. So, <laughs> yeah. And basically, the, the, the real messed up part about it was that after they decided that they want to, they wanted to not play good special teams and stuff like that, simply what happened was Gibson got the ball, 23 yards, came to a touchdown, and to make it worse, about the five-yard line, he turned around and waved bye to whoever was chasing him in a, <laughs> in a Cows uniform. Now, I have re- rechristened the Dallas Cowboys is cows. The Dallas cows. Because it is not fair to put a gender on something so terrible. It's just not. Okay. They, they're bad. They're a bad team. And nothing should be associated. And I almost feel bad calling them just cows. But I feel like I have no other options. So, right now, for the rest of the season at least, to me, they will be called the Dallas cows. And I hope I don't offend any cows, but it is what it is, man. I mean, it, you know, what, I think it was 41-16, really? I mean, if we're not good. We're, the Washington football team is not good. We're playing with house money. If we make the playoffs, if we win a division, awesome. Are we looking to? Heck no. Four and seven, we should be like, uh, let me say we about to get the eighth and ninth pick in the draft. Who are we looking at? Nah, we got people out here talking about playoffs. And I'm just like, eh. Well, it I mean, really I mean it's truthful. I mean, all it takes, all it's going to take is like maybe six wins to get in, for sure. I mean, y'all in first place now. I mean, we got four wins. We're four and seven. There are five wins. There are five games left. I mean, I would probably say seven, simply because the Giants have the tiebreaker over us and the Eagles have the tie. I still I still said six games. This should do it. Because all oh, the teams that all the teams that you mentioned are as awful. So But you know we're we're the only team that was supposed to be awful. Like yeah, we're I, I agree. I agree. Well the you and the Giants. I don't think anybody expected too too much out of the Giants, but essentially that's a true statement. Well yeah Danny Dimes is trying to get his money back. So you know, because right now, in the last season, he was called Danny Pennies. And I think he's like Danny Nichols right now. So, I mean, he's trying. But, you know, when you're running, you know, down the field and you trip on your own feet, I mean. That happens to a lot of people, dude. You know what? It doesn't happen to people on national TV. 
Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, forgot, I forgot who I was talking to. Never mind. I mean, I'm just trying to be real about it, man. You're, you're trying, trying to be, to be something. It. You're trying to be something, but okay. But, you know, I figure we got to start the show by celebrating the absolute destruction and impotence of the Dallas Cows. So, you know, it was, there it, was we go. it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I mean, it was 2016 going to fourth quarter, man. It was a close game. I was like, the cows may beat us. No, nah, I, I never thought it was. I never really thought it was close. I mean, the score might have said that, but I never really thought it was close. I mean, and then once um, Alex Smith threw off his back foot falling down to the ground, he threw an interception, and you would think it would be a pick six until, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had our own... Um, G.J. McCaff, you know, come and stop him. So that that was awesome. But I mean, and that was know. the beginning of the end, as far as I was concerned. And, and it wasn't it wasn't the initial tackle at the two or three or whatever it was. It was everything that happened after that, and they got forced into a field goal. I was like, this game is so over. That's probably why yeah. I wasn't paying attention to anything else after that. I knew <laughs> we were going to lose when that, when that happened. I was like, really? Okay, never mind. Is it, it wasn't meant for them. No. But I digress. Enough of, enough of enough happiness, gloating. sadness. Enough gloating. Um, I don't think it's gloating. I think it's just more truth. Yeah, also it's just it's like Trump doesn't think the election was illegal, right? Man, we're gonna talk about that a little later. Because <laughs> I mean, you know, we almost we almost made one one show without talking about that dude directly. Dude, we'll Came be, very we'll be, close. It will be two years into Biden's uh, presidency. We'll still be talking about that dude. Don't even worry. God, about I hope it. not. Yes, don't I even try. Not. I've been trying to tell you this for about a year now. I need for us to go back to talking about crazy people doing dumb stuff. Well, that's kind of what Trump well, is. Well, that is crazy people doing dumb See, stuff. That's, well, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But it, shouldn't, but it shouldn't be the same crazy person doing the same dumb stuff. But the show writes itself, though. I'm just saying, man. I mean, it, it is. It's true. <laughs> but we'll get to that a little bit later. So, JD. So, I guess to be open and fair and honest, we've known each other for what, like 18 years, basically, on and off? Something like that? Something like that, yeah. It's been a long, long time. It's, it's getting to be too long. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you can only get so much of me, I guess. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, the, I think back to college was that long ago? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I realized, you realize how old you're getting. And, and I was already older. <laughs> so, yeah, you were. So... I guess quick, quick history lesson. Back in the early 2000s, I decided at the age of 30 that I was going to go back to school and get my degree from Old Dominion University in North Virginia, which I did. 2006, I walked. I didn't trip. He's, so point, he's pointing at it. <laughs> he's pointing at his diploma. I wish yeah. I had one of those. I need to get I one mean, of those. Mine, mine was around here somewhere. I moved it because I didn't need people to see information. Why not? So, I don't know. Come on. It's whatever. So, um, where did, oh, I put it over there. So, during this time, I truly decided that I wanted to be re-immersed in the college life at the age of 30. I'm going to live on a closer campus. I'm going to work a job and I'm going to go to school. And me and some friends got a house about two blocks from campus. 
which I walked school every day, which was awesome. No, it wasn't. It was terrible. Um, but then it was also during the time where Xbox came out. And so, yes, as a 30-year-old man trying to go back to school and reimmerse himself, he also reimmersed himself in video games. And there were some days where Halo won and <laughs> Odomain did not. I was going to say video games are the death of every college student. <laughs> yep. I did say I was going to go through the whole rigmarole of college. So I did. And um, so I got into WOD Radio, which was, uh, I had a show. I don't even remember what time I had a show. I would just play music that I wanted to play because that's what you do in college at a college radio station. And then I met uh, a guy named Twinkie, um, Jason Bryant. And, you know, he was um, big into wrestling and stuff like that. And somehow we got to talking. We talked about recreating WOD sports. And then through that, I met JD. And then we started, we got in good with, you know, the athletics department, I would say. And between him and I and Jason and Moby, and guess who just popped in? There's Moby. Hey, it's the grown man. What's up, buddy? What's going on? Oh, we don't raise our standards. We are celebrity up in here. <laughs> the old I gang got together. <laughs> the funny part about that, Moby, I'm literally telling the story about JD and I, and then I see, oh, I literally just mentioned your name and you popped up. And I was like, well, and so, um, you know, WOD Sports came back to life. We called the first male game, men's game in the TED, which was awesome, um, against North Carolina. Um, and then we called the games for years after that. Um, you know, we've had some highlights, I, I would say. We had our own sports show, um, us three, which was interesting to say the least. Um, you know, and then we called multiple games together. We got we got to call an NCAA tournament game, which is awesome. Um, we well, called we to call one half of the game. Well, it's like no, no, half, we, we, we 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 called the full game. What what oh, helped yeah, us right. out was what helped us out was the game before ours went to overtime. Yes, that's right. And we because of, the the, the only reason we were able to get there before tip off was because. It was Syracuse and Vermont. Yep, Syracuse, Vermont. Syracuse and Vermont. That game went to overtime. And that's the only reason we made it to the arena and we were able to get on the air before the game started. Um, we played Michigan State that year. And I remember the first person I see when we walk in is Carol Hudson, who was the SID at, at ODU. And he was instrumental to all three of us. Yeah. But he's the first one I see. And he, he gives us this look like y'all are just now getting here. Which, you know, when you're in college radio, you have no budget. We're driving up to Massachusetts that okay. day. Might, might have been one of the worst drives ever. Not it might have been. That's, from my record, <laughs> yeah, that's probably, yeah, the worst, no, probably the worst no. drive I've ever been on. I mean, it was like a six or seven hour drive. It took us 12 hours. It, I don't, it was the worst. Is that that what, one what, you were saying what, it was supposed to be snowing or something? What, Bad what, weather? What's... What, what, What's weird is when we came back the day after, and I mentioned this to to, uh, to Ruben before, I had no voice. My voice started going during the second half of the game. 
but we're driving back and for some reason we pull off the interstate and uh, next thing i know we're in the parking lot of a toys r us in brooklyn no it was the bronx it was the bronx yeah i had no idea what was going on (laughs) i I just just knew i couldn't talk because we had talked about doing the women's game at duke like the, the women were in minnesota oh we won't go in there that's too far. Well, the 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 student the student activities office wanted us to do both, but they I mean, wouldn't pay us to go to do both. Yeah, they weren't gonna fly us or nothing. So whatever, you put us on a plane. That's and besides, story. and besides, back then the women made the NCAA tournament every year. Yeah, yeah. So this was the first time the men had gone in like a decade. So and, that, and that's why we had to go there because right. plus it was Connecticut. It was drivable, or so we thought. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. Connecticut. It was it was like yeah. Worcester, Massachusetts. Yep, Worcester, oh, was Massachusetts. Yeah, it was Worcester, Massachusetts, man. I thought it was Mohegan Sun. Oh, man, I don't know. It's, I don't think Mohegan <laughs> Sun was open yet. I don't even know, man. All I know it was a long drive, and it took way longer than it should have. And we got to the hotel, changed in probably like ten minutes, which was crazy. And we were hustling because we were still about forty minutes away from the arena, and we're just like keeping it overtime, keeping it overtime. And they did, so it was awesome. But yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that was probably one of the cooler moments. Um, you know, we had, you know, we've had, you know, some of the guests that we would have after the games were pretty cool. Um, you know, we also. Facilius is always the favorite. Father Facilius. <laughs> yes. He was always funny. And then we had the group of guys behind us um, who liked Yonko. And they were called somehow somebody named them the Yonkalites. I don't know where the hell that came from. But yeah, that's that was that. And then of course, I would think probably for me, the craziest game I ever called was when Moby and I went to Drexel and Jeff was at the station. And that was the first game I ever was on. Was it? Yeah, that was my first game. Uh, and I never called play by play. Whole it's new the, respect for play by play, man. All day, all, I, I understood what JD was doing because JD called play by play, and it was just like, I'm sitting here, I'm trying, and it, I got the hang of it. But it was, it was crazy. But the craziest part about it was, it was a game winning basket for us, and we won. We were us. It was us in the ESPN local. Um radio team, FM radio team. And we ended up getting, um, uh, who made that winning shot? I can't remember Dahi. his name. Yeah, Dahi. And we ended up getting Dahi, which was dope, because we never get, like, the hero. <laughs> so we got Dahi, and the coolest thing is we're interviewing him, and literally, I lie to you not, at Drexel, their basketball court is, like, everything. Literally, to the volleyball court yeah. right afterwards. They converted to volleyball in like 10 minutes. <laughs> and before we got off the air, they're playing volleyball, like directly volleyball. It was crazy. And it was just like, what? And then it was like three levels and all. I mean, but I guess in the middle of the city, you kind of got to do it all. But yeah, that was that was crazy. But yeah, so, I mean, we spent a lot of, I would say we spent a lot of college time together, especially with sports. And now, you know, shoot, I don't know, 10 plus years later, you know, we got, I'm on a podcast, I got a podcast, you know, and JD's writing books all day. So 
I guess the first question is, what, like, what was, why do you want to write books? Well, Fiction. interestingly, interestingly enough, all, all of, all of that stemmed from the life I had before I met all y'all. Back in middle and high school, I was a big comic book geek and I wanted to be a comic book writer. I wanted Me to be too. a comic book artist. So when I originally enrolled at ODU, it was to be an artist. I was studying to be an art major because I had applied to the Savannah College of Art and Design in Georgia, and they accepted me, which was great. Wait, wait you, you applied to SCAD? Yeah. <laughs> Man, that, that was, I, I used to live right down the street from SCAD, like when they first started the program. <laughs> why, why did you, SCAD sounds really bad. That's just what they called it, Savannah College of Art and Design, SCAD. <laughs> well, the problem, the problem was tuition was 24,000 and they were only giving me 12 grand in aid. I can see that being so, a problem. Out of state. A problem. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not great at math, but even I could do that equation. So I wound up getting into ODU, and I wound up going to ODU because they were giving me twelve grand in aid, but the bill was only nine grand. So I could do that math too. This guy's making money going to school. <laughs> so two years in, I come to realize that being an art student is a lot different than being an artist, and I decide I don't want to do it anymore. But I still like the writing aspect of things, so I switched over to journalism in the English department. And before I joined WODU, I was actually at the Mason Crown student newspaper. Yeah. Um, there was a time that I was the sports department at the newspaper. So there was a period of time, about a year and a half to two years, where I'm calling the games on the radio and I'm writing the story in the paper. Um, there was one time where me and uh, another guy we did radio with, Andre Jones, we went and called a game at James Madison. Well, to get there, we had to take the fan bus, which meant that pretty much as soon as the game was over, we had to be on the bus to come back. So I couldn't stick around for the post-game press conference. So I wound up asking Harry Minium, who was the beat writer at the Virginian Pilot, if he would send me some quotes from the press conference that I could use in my story. I gave him credit and everything. Fortunately, I don't know what possessed him to help me out, but he did, and I'm forever grateful to him for it. But I got so wound up in the sports world that there for, from the period that we met till I graduated in 2006, I wasn't doing a whole lot of writing. I had taken all my creative stuff and I had shelved it because I was too busy with the sports stuff and it looked like that was where my career was going to take me. And sure enough, that's that's where it has taken me. Not exactly where I thought I would be, but you know, it's a good living. Can't but you do. once once I got out of college, um, slowly but surely the creative itch came back. So slowly but surely, I started dipping my toes in the water. And then about 2014, I finally finished one of my books for the first time ever. It was the first time I had ever started a book and actually finished it. And then I just decided, why not put my, why put myself through the boring, painstakingly dull process of trying to find an agent and a publisher and all that, and just publish it myself. You know, with the internet being what it is today and Amazon being what it is, if you write a book, you can publish it yourself. You don't have to wait for somebody else to tell you, yeah, what you wrote is good enough for a publishing. You can do it yourself. It's a lot more work 
because if you sign up with a traditional publisher, you give them your work and then they handle the editing, they handle the book cover, they handle marketing and release dates and press junkets and all of that. All you have to worry about is writing the book. Well, when you self-publish, everything that I just mentioned, I'm responsible for. I have to write the book, then I have to edit it, I have to have somebody else edit it, I gotta worry about a cover, marketing, all of that, it's all on me. Now that sounds like a lot of work, and it is, but I, I like the control it gives me because I know I, I'm in control every step of the way. I don't have a company looking over my shoulder going, we don't like that, we think you should change it to this. So nowadays I've got six books I've published so far, and nice. they're all exactly the way I wanted to write them because while it's a lot of work, it's also, I have control over every step of the process. Nice, nice. So um, has anybody reached out to maybe take some of that control for you? No, no, not, no, not yet. Okay. Now that, that, that's not to say someday down the road, I won't pursue traditional publishing because there are a lot of writers today who are a combination of both. They've got some work they publish themselves and some that they go for one of the big publishers for. But that's a lot of extra work and a lot of time. You got to learn how to write a query letter. You got to look for an agent. You got to submit your stuff and you can go weeks or months at a time before you hear back. And nine times out of 10, the answer you're going to hear is no. So I'm not saying I'll never do it, but right now it's 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 not where I want to be publishing wise. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, um, and I know AG is, has started to read a couple books. Um, I believe her name is Jill Anderson. Yep. Yeah, Jill yep. Anderson. Yeah, so what, I mean, so I guess first thing, Jill Anderson is probably the, protagonist of your of your your um, novels I would say is that a fair assessment yeah um, yeah my series uh, it's a combination murder mystery superhero book she's a cop and a superhero which when I, I created her when I was 15 it was the first time I ever created it and I just like the concept of a cop who's also a superhero now that I'm almost 40 and and things are the way they are that's become a little interesting to write sometimes <laughs> but it she's not the first character i created but she's first she's the first character i published so i i i've got a special place for her and i don't see myself not writing her anytime soon okay and guys jump in you know if you have a question but before somebody jump, i'm gonna ask one more question so what so one of the things I, I wish we could have had you on the show months ago, um, just when the world seemed like it was blowing up. Mm-hmm. But you know, having um, writing writing for writing police, and with the world the way it was six to eight months ago, how did that? Well, first of all, did that affect anything? Um, as far as how you thought about writing or did it cause you to go back and think about how you wrote Jill before or anything like that? Well, and and this is really the sad commentary on where we are. Um, I wrote and published a book 
in 2016 called Behind the Badge. It's the third book in the series. And the story of that one is almost literally ripped from the headlines. I pulled a law and order um, uh. on this. <laughs> uh, the, the, the Freddie Gray case in Baltimore, where he, he they threw him in the back of one of their tactical vans and he got busted up and he wound up dying in the hospital. So the case in that book wound up mirroring the Freddie Gray case to an extent. And that was, what, four years ago I wrote that book? Mm -hmm. And not only are we still dealing with these issues, in some ways they seem like they're worse than they were back then. And really when I wrote it, it was just a case of me wanting to know how would Jill react to a case like that? Because when I, when I write Jill as a cop, I like to write her as as cops should be. Okay. What we all like to think a good cop is. So I, I wrote it really wanting to see how would she react if she's thrown into a situation where her murder victim is someone who was killed by her own colleagues. And the most difficult part of writing that was writing it in such a way that it was true to who she is, while at the same time it didn't feel like I was trying to stand up and preach to people. Um, I'm, I'm very much on the Black Lives Matter, reform the police side of the fence. Uh, I was back then, I still am now. And to answer your question, yes, that does color the way I write these books and the way I write this series. Even so much as to the point of, do, do I want to consider a future in which Jill's no longer a cop? Do, 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 I, do I take this series and the storyline to the logical conclusion that she operates within a department that is at its essence corrupt? Which is not all that far from reality because Baltimore police have been corrupt for seemingly forever. Um, my grandmother lives up in Western Maryland and they get one of the Baltimore TV stations. And it seems like every other story on the Baltimore Evening News is either a, a homicide or the cops are being accused of, of doing something. So I, I don't think you can write anything involving law enforcement and not have current events color the way you write it, even if you don't do it consciously. Mm -hmm. But I, I think part of the reason we view law enforcement the way we do as a society is due in part to the fiction that surrounds. I mean, look at all the shows on television. Yeah, we've got three different law and orders, how many different CSIs, um, Blue Bloods, you know, we've got shows about federal law enforcement, the FBI, NCIS, all of that stuff. So I think we see that and we think that's what law enforcement really is. And then we see the reality of what they're doing and it, it doesn't mesh. So I, I think the, the, the fiction of police work colors our perceptions of it and I think if I'm not tackling that in some way, then I, I don't want to say I'm liable or responsible, but at the same time, there is a disconnect there between in the real world, 
we need to refund the police, but here in my fiction, I'm not touching any of that at all. Okay. Awesome. Well, I, I was kind of going to jump in. Um, you know, um, I'm going to ruin my street cred here, but I'm actually a really big reader. I, I, I do a lot of reading. And I remember back when, you know, me and you were fr- um, at WODU, we, I used to talk to you because, you know, y'all two are big comic book nerds as they would say and i am a comic book fan too just maybe not on the on the front on the you know you gotta dig a little deeper to find out my comic book closet comic book (laughs) (laughs) but but i'm also um an avid reader of a lot of political and law books like i was wondering like um who are some writers that you know you read because like I, i read ben coe's brad thor um vince flynn I'm I'm big on those, which I just downloaded um, Bounty, the first one. So I'm going to start reading that because I'm interested to see how you meshed the law into the sci-fi because that's that's a really interesting and I feel like a very difficult thing to mesh without it, you know, either leaning on corny or leaning on like too too politicized. So I mean, I'm You're interested. Right. <laughs> so I mean, it, I, it, I know you're on a balancing act with that. Try to do a, yes. a true life detective thing, and then oh, but she has superpowers. <laughs> it, it is it is a, it is a balancing act. It, it's not one I always get right. Um, what you ask about some of the some of the writers I read, I'm I'm starting to dive a bit a lot more into nonfiction reading as well. I read political books. Um, I, I read a book earlier this year by. Eric Tyson, Eric Michael Tyson, I think that's his name. It, it was a book about Barack Obama's presidency. It was called The Black President, or President While Being Black, or something like that. And it was eye-opening. Now, I, I understood on a surface level that that race played a factor in his eight years and the mess that has followed in the four years since. I didn't understand to what extent because clearly. But, and I just started reading um, his memoir, A Promise Map, that, that he just took out, put out this week. I think one of the things I have to start doing is reading more black voices. And not just for my own education, but to your point about how does that seep into my work? Particularly when, you know, Baltimore is in a lot of areas, a very densely populated African-American city. And I can't not go there as an author, but if I'm going to go there, I need to be equipped with knowledge. Not firsthand knowledge because, (laughs) but to your point, Sorry, man, you've been to a few cookouts. It's okay. <laughs> but to, to your point, it is a balancing act because I do feel like my, my books have a point to make, but at the same time, I can't beat people over the head with them. Because people can tell when you're beating them over the head with something and that turns them off. Because at the end of the day, these are still works of fiction. Um, so I, I have to be true to what the characters in the city they inhabit are. And I have to be true to my own opinions. And I understand that's gonna turn some people off. Um, The book I mentioned, Behind the Badge, 
it is by far my worst selling book. I, I literally, there are five books in the series. I literally have people who will read one, two, then skip to four and five. Wow. Never mind the fact that there are plot elements in Behind the Badge that affect the later books. People will, people will read the synopsis for Behind the Badge and decide, I don't want to read that. And I can't make them read it. But at the same time, I've come to the conclusion that if you're of a, a, an opinion when it comes to Black Lives Matter and reform the police that is diametrically opposed to mine, you're not going to enjoy these books. And to be perfectly frank, I don't want you to enjoy these books. Um, Kurt Cobain, the late singer of Nirvana, once said that he didn't want sexists, racists, and homophobes to buy his band's music. He didn't want those people as fans. And, and I feel the same way. And the one bright spot of the Trumpian era, so to speak, is the people on that side are so loud and so upfront about this sort of thing that they're easy to spot. And they, they can come after me all they want. I'm not changing who I am. I'm not changing what I write. And, and they can scream at me all they want that they're not going to buy my books. I am perfectly fine with that. Now, I will, now they, I will. I will take the financial loss to know they're not in my corner. Now, now, when you were were writing the the third book, did you make that choice beforehand, or was that just like a unintended consequence that, on later reflection, you've realized that? you you kind of alienated a pocket of people it it wasn't as it wasn't a decision but i knew when i wrote it that you know there are some people who are not going to like what this book has to say but it goes back to what i said earlier about being true to the characters being true to myself and the the fact that that book is just one fictionalized example of a problem that we see over and over and over and over and over again if, if, if the fact that I wrote about it upset somebody that badly, I, that's A, that's not my problem. B, I'm not going to cater my writing to you like that. I'm going to write the story that needs to be written and the people who write who like it will like it and the people who don't. Oh, well, there's plenty of other books out there for you. All right, all right. AG, you got anything? No, actually, I'll answered all the questions that I had written down. Um, the only thing I do have, I mean, you kind of you kind of touched on it before, but when you developed Jill when you were 15, mm-hmm. how long did it take you to come to some sort of conclusion at that point? Because, you know, I mean, every character has an arc and it changes over time as you get older or whatever. But that initial that initial spark, how long did it take you to develop a character? Uh, oof. Years. OK, um, partly because, you know, when I created her, I had created all these other characters, and for a couple of years, I was focusing a lot more on them than I was on her. Okay. Um, when I created her, the, the the literal thought process was, I already have a male superhero for a book there. I need a female superhero. Boom, there she is. I'll work on her book later. But then, like I said, once I got to college, figured out art wasn't really my thing anymore, and then I met these other two knuckleheads, and then started going along the, the, the sports media route. Joe, Joe kind of sat quiet 
for a long time. And I didn't really revisit her until I got out of school and decided I wanted to do something a little bit more than just work nine to five. So it, it took years before she became anything more than just, hey, this would be a cool character for me to do one day. Okay. It wasn't until about 10 years ago that she actually came to me full-fledged as in, here are my personality traits, here's my origin story, X, Y, Z, and all the other stuff. But okay. It was a very long, slow, drawn-out process. Because I picked the, I went out and bought the, I didn't go out and buy anything. I got on Amazon. Because, <laughs> you know, I ain't nobody trying to leave. Because I ain't trying to leave the house. Don't worry about that. But anyway, hey, I, <laughs> I, I got um, Betrayal, which I wanted to get the last one. But then I was like, I went through everything. I said, I think all these are connected. But I didn't catch that this was a superhero at all until, like, maybe the first, like, four or five pages. I was like, is this some Wolverine stuff going on? So and then I looked back at the uh, the cover and I was like, okay, she's got some sort of metal exo, a metal skeleton, some bio infrastructure that's not, you know, skin and bone. And I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. But now I figure, do I have to go back to book one to really understand? Hold on, man. Did you just hear the term bio infrastructure? That's what it is. That might be the biggest word that's ever been on this show. <laughs> You're saying I, just, a, I just wanted to point that you out. You are saying a lot about this show right now, man. And none of it's hey, good. None hey, of it's, it's good. It's a simple show. Yourself, Ruben. No, it's a simple show, and we don't talk about things like bio-infrastructure. You're right, I mean, it's simple. I mean, so I'm, guess, I'm, guess, I'm guessing you all never going to have Dr. Fauci on as a guest. <laughs> no. Not at all. No. That, dog, that dude's never talking to me. No, but, but um, I'm, I'm just saying, if you think about <laughs> what she's built on, that's exactly what it is. I mean, selfish. Selfishly, yes, go back to book one and start from scratch. But I, I, even though the books are linked together story-wise, particularly from behind the badge on. Okay. Um, I do try to write them in such a way that if somebody does drop in in one of the later books the way you did, you're not sitting there for 30 pages wondering what the hell's going on. Because that was my next question. I was wondering if what's starting to brew right now is something that I could have picked up like four or five books ago, so that's that's, um, that's good to know. You you, you could have. Um, there there there's there's a big part of book five, betrayal, the one you just bought, uh-huh. that will make a ton more sense after you've read Blood Ties, which is book two. So really, I do need to go back. Okay, I understand you, that. Well, you, you, you'll you'll still catch on because I, I like I said, I write it in such a way that even if Betrayal is your first book. You'll still have an idea. Okay. But the the build up from one book to the next is an integral part of the series. Okay. I didn't intend for it to be that way. I wanted it to be a series where each book was its own self contained thing. But and any other writer will tell you this: we're we're never in control. The characters are in control. I hear that. We're often. We're, just, we're just at the mercy of what they do. Okay. I get that. Yeah, because I just finished watching the Clone Wars and that answered a lot of questions about Star Wars that I really didn't understand and didn't even know existed. So I'll just go back. I'll just go back after I'm done with this one. Preemptive thanks for the support. Yes, sir. Well, JD, um, this is going to be completely unrelated and totally related all at the same time. Okay. okay. Moby. Based on our, based on our sports history uh-huh. and then based on this character, uh-huh. I shamelessly thought this 
was you basically spitting in the face of Brady Anderson and his steroid season because basically you said this is Brady Anderson's sister who juiced herself. Wow. And <laughs> what book is this in? For, 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 first of all, the last name spelled wrong for it to be that way. Uh, I, I spell it S-E-N, not S-O-N. Um, I realize and, that, but... And, and, <laughs> Wow, that is an interesting interpretation of the text. I will admit, <laughs> I did not, I did not have that in mind. It is Mobito, um, man. He, that's how Moby rolled. That's how Moby rolled. Well, you, you know, uh, the the Orioles do play a pretty large role a lot of times in the in the series because you you write about what you know about the city, and what I know is that is a diehard Orioles town. I know that. <laughs> they, they, they they love their Ravens too, but Baltimore will always be a baseball town. Yeah, and that answers my next my I had another question. I was gonna ask you about that very thing. Does everything take place on the in the mid Atlantic area and or the Baltimore area? The the, the the entire series is set in, in Baltimore. Okay. okay. Um, I decided when I when I finally got serious about doing the series. I wanted it to be a big city, but I didn't want it to be New York, LA, or Chicago because everyone does those. Right. And like I said, my grandma has that channel and every other news story on that channel is murder or police corruption. So Baltimore seemed like the perfect city. And and it's close enough to where, even though I've never lived there, I've been there multiple times and I can get sort of a feel uh, of the city, the good parts and the bad parts. tell you a quick story i used i used to work in the athletic department at hampton university here in virginia and there was one time i was traveling with the volleyball team we were going up to baltimore to play coppin state i don't know if any of you know where in baltimore coppin state is no where's that (laughs) the the, the way y'all laughing it's in the hood ain't it let me me, me tell you our our volleyball coach at the time was a a hispanic man from inglewood california okay who had seen some stuff in his day right we turn the bus into the parking lot he looks at the surroundings behind him then goes to the bus driver like this thing's locked isn't it wow It's like yeah, Cobb State's in the hood, man. Cobb State's in the hood. Wow, I didn't know that. If, I mean, if your if your if your school is in a city and state is at the end of it, eight times out of ten, it's probably in a hood. Well, where's Temple? Because Temple's not a state. But but it's not t- called Temple State. I didn't realize that. <laughs> but I'm just saying. But, Del- but Delaware State hood. Really? Virginia State sort of hood. Okay. I, I don't know. About, I don't know about Delaware. I don't know about Delaware State being in the hood. I don't know if Dover. Ha- I don't know if, I don't know if Dover's big enough to have a hood. I was about to say, like, what what classifies as hood in Dover? I mean, <laughs> De- De- Delaware Delaware State is literally right across the street from a NASCAR track. That don't really? Is that close? I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're literally right across the street from each other. I had no idea. I've been yeah, about that track I mean, many times. De- Del- Delaware State will charge people to park on their campus and go to the race. They make more money doing that than they do hosting football wow. games. Wow. If that's not hood tendencies, I don't know what is. And by the way, I appreciate another NASCAR fan on this show because, you know, Ruben got all kinds of things to say. Well, yeah, because NASCAR's not a sport. That's right. You know, he's heard it many times. This, this ain't the if, first if, time if, he's if, ever going to hear it. If I, if I had $5 for every time we had that argument on our show back in the day, <sighs> I would have probably paid my student loans off by now. Wow. <laughs> Literally, on, on Spike, we were in the show, and blah, 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 and the last yep. thing we said is, NASCAR is not a sport. And he goes, yep. 
Ruben's sign off was NASCAR is not a sport. You remember. And, and, yep. Don't be Kwame. Yep. Don't, <laughs> don't be Kwame Brown. <laughs> Look, look, AG man. Petty started when I was much younger, man. I mean, During my college years, the Petty was it. Straight up. Yep. Never and mind. I would say it, and, and JD would always look at me like this. You know what, I man? I just got it. Just got, it I just got to the point where I didn't respond anymore. I was like, you know what? He's not worth a response. He's never really been worth a response, but sometimes I'm just saying. Because he's going to say all the same stuff he's always said. I'm going to say all the same stuff I've always said, and neither one of us is going to change anybody's mind. Understood. Understood. Yeah, but when you control the off button, you always have the last word. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, if you can't get your show out because I'm me, I'm just saying I control a little bit too. So what are you doing? I mean, you can cut it. (laughs) Then I just say, I keep saying it more and just make you work hard. No, nah, I just won't give it to you. I mean, <laughs> that's real dirty. That's real dirty. Oh, and what you do is it? I mean, I gotta find a way around that. Cause you better find a way. Cause if you piss me off, I'll just be like, oh, I ain't got you. I ain't got your whoa, show. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Where whoa, is he whoa. going to the whole piss? What? Piss what, off what, what? 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 We going to the piss off? Hey, I'm, I'm neutral. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm neutral on this, man. I mean, next thing you know, going to Switzerland on this. Yeah, I'm neutral I mean, on this. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're gonna breathe on me. I have to see you to the cops. Oh, now that is interesting. Cause see, if I was gonna breathe on you, I would wear a pool doily too. Just saying. <laughs> uh, nice segue. Hey, I do what I can, man. I do what I can. <laughs> so, so JD, this is the part where we start talking about other stuff, and of course, you know, some dude decided he wanted to breathe on two women. And they decided, yeah, we, we we don't like that. Can you arrest him? <laughs> so that's what happened. They apparently, good old President Trump, it isn't one of his fault, actually. No. For the, one no. of the few things. Um, you know, he decided he wanted to go play golf up in Sterling, Virginia. And then, you know, they saw two women start arguing this dude. He wasn't wearing a mask. Shocker. And he, bre- he breathed on him. And they were just like, nah, man, that's not cool. So they um, went to the, I guess they went to the police and they were just like, well, you got to go to the magistrate to get a, um, to file, excuse me, to file charges. And that's what they did. They filed charges um, for with assault because the dude blew on them. Well, the most interesting thing to me, as far as I'm concerned, is the dude was wearing a pool floaty. Now, I'm, I'm thinking about all of the surroundings. I'm thinking about the time of year. I'm thinking about just normal, like, you know, even kill people. <laughs> and when I thought about that, I put it all together. Not one time did I think about somebody with a pool floaty outside of the water in the wintertime. Because he did it to get attention. He figured Trump's here with a pool, pool floaty. He might laugh and point at him. He could be like, he pointed at me. He pointed at me. Being the idiot that he is. And I mean, it's really, we're going to, I mean, this dude ain't Tiger. <laughs> you know, we can go watch the friends that play golf. And I promise you, I promise you in a place like Loudoun County, Virginia, they do not appreciate all this bad press. They, I mean, might agree, yeah, they might agree with Trump all day long, but they do not appreciate this bad press. Well, they, they don't necessarily agree either. But the thing about it is, um, apparently a lot of people watch the president 
they want to get a glimpse of the president when he's golfing. Really? Okay, I mean, that's, I understand. That's, that's what people starstruck. I get it. But I'm just letting you know, this dude showed up with a pool floaty with no pool. I will I mean, never come out of that. This is the only thing I got out of it because when I read it, I read it three times to make sure <laughs> that what I read was actually what I'm reading. I'm like, are you for real? Because it was bad enough that he's like breathing on people with no mask. And actually, the law should catch up to that stuff and make it at least a misdemeanor because of what the COVID-19 is. However, some, sta- some states it has. Oh, it has. OK. Yeah. But yeah, for yeah. real, when I'm looking at this, I'm like, this dude had a floaty on? Come but on, how you gonna, man. How you going to mention a floaty and not mention the important thing? That the floaty had Trump's face on it. Yeah, I should mention that, but I just figured that, you know what, you're absolutely right. Now it's even more interesting because this dude had a floaty with Trump's face on it and the article didn't say anything about it. I mean, the headline, that should have been in the headline. I mean, he had to do it around his waist. What? Dude, I'm like, this. the headline should have read, dude with uh, Trump floaty breeze on somebody. That should have been the headline, not the headline that I saw. I'm just saying, man. I'm like, wow. I, I was sick. just thinking. But first of all, I agree that the law needs to catch up. Because I mean, if you spit on somebody, that's considered assault. Yes, it is. So I mean, in these COVID times, breathing on—I mean, that's that's assault. Exactly. But I, I was just thinking, man. These are the most progressive people ever. The first people ever to press charges on somebody for having bad breath. Yep. Like how many times have you been stuck in a conversation with somebody and you wish you could arrest them for that? <laughs> and all you can do is offer them a mint. I'm just you know saying. what I'm saying? You got you got to be casual about it. I'm like, hey, thirsty? You thirsty? I mean, you, you, I got a fruit fruit punch over here. You want some gum? <laughs> I usually just I got you, dog. I just and breathe these, through my and mouth. These people just went straight to, hey, man. Um, if you don't get up by my face, I'm gonna have to arrest you for that breath, man. Like that's <laughs> citizens arrest up in here, man. Like we <laughs> can you Go imagine? Mobile. Can you imagine somebody being served for that? Like you being, you know, you got a warrant out for your arrest. What breath? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, nah, but, uh, I mean, you laughing, but if any one of those two ladies shows up uh, COVID uh, positive, oh, you can't. Then oh yeah, they have complications and somebody gets really hurt or dies. Man, I'll be, I'll be murder. You talking about assault, involuntary manslaughter, civil suit? You talking about all types of things, man? Yeah, exactly. Man. You can keep playing if you want to, man. I'm telling you, man, that is not cool. But no, we're gonna talk about that floaty though. We ain't talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that floaty is like in one paragraph, a, a one sentence in a whole article. First and of all, how, more, more time on the floaty than the actual. Dude, come on, how did they even get in a conversation with somebody with a floaty? Because I'm not even talking to somebody <laughs> wearing a floaty. You know what I'm saying? I'm just not doing especially, it. <laughs> especially a Donald Trump floaty. Yeah, I'm just not doing it. Like I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying I'm staying away from that them. person. <laughs> like you stay I mean, over there. I mean, he was wearing a Trump shirt and an inflatable pool tube with Trump's likeness on it around his waist. We got nothing to say to each other. We got nothing to say. (laughs) This this isn't a politician. This is a cult of personality. Yeah, this... this, You you never saw a Ronald Reagan floating. Not that people took out their house. (laughs) We were different. it's, It's like I said earlier, these people are glad to tell on themselves. True, and we were talking about and, it a couple um, weeks and, ago, and, man. And, I mean, and, in a way, in a way, I'm glad they are because it makes it easier to stay away from them. We were saying those very words on election week. We sure were. So, I mean, this, I mean, 
Death by floating, man. Death by floating. <laughs> Uh, it's 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 like I, I used I used to tell people all the time. I wish there was a way for me to tell someone's a butt without me having to interact with them. And then lo and behold, we got Trump buck, Trump buck bumper stickers and Make America Great Again hats. There you go. Not wrong. Not wrong. Yo, man, Silver Spoons, man. We got to talk about Silver Spoons, man. Why does he look so pitiful in the picture? <laughs> Yeah, he looked like somebody just shot his dog in a picture. Well, man. maybe because he looks like that because he's he's finally finished off the rest of his career by doing this. I thought it was already done. Well, I'm just saying he finished it off. I mean, he did Silver Spoons 40 years ago, man. That's crazy. No, nah, but he was on NYPD Blue. He's had work. Like I said, he was doing Silver Spoons 40 wow, years ago. Wow, come on, <laughs> man. <laughs> Who did he end up? Did he end up killing himself on NYPD Blue? I don't know. I didn't watch the show. Exactly. Nobody did. That's not true. That shit was on yeah, for that's, years. That's I watched it briefly, but I don't remember. Yeah, he was a horrible cop. Well, weren't they all? <laughs> well, I, and what's sad is I didn't. I didn't even know who y'all were talking about until you mentioned him like PD Blue, and that's when it clicked. Wow. So the so 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 doesn't mean anything now. Oh, that's right. No I keep forgetting you're not old. <laughs> I just want. Hey, JD. Thank you because. I felt the same way. Like they were saying, Silver Spoons. Man, I'm like, okay, you say NYPD. I'm like, oh, okay. I yeah. keep forgetting, man. Ten, <laughs> ten, ten, ten years. Okay. Ten years is a long time. That's a big gap. But he, Ricky Schroeder started out with uh, what? What's called his real name? Man, I don't know. Well, anyway, they start Alfonso on Silver Spoons. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Alfonso Ribeira. They start. Yeah, they start on uh, Silver Spoons together. Back yeah, in the kinda... about the early mid eighties, and yeah, that's the good. first time I see Jason Bateman was on that show, Alfonso Ribeiro was on that show, and, and the show it, was terrible. No, it wasn't. It was awesome, man. It had Linda and Linda. What was it Linda? Not Linda Gray. The show was terrible. No, it wasn't, man. Why you stop? Why is everything the terrible? Show was not good. Anyway, we're going on without you. Anyway, like I said, that's where it started. <laughs> so that's where older people know Ricky Schroeder from. That man, and, it won't uh, nothing but it won't nothing but a reverse. Uh, uh, different strokes, man. How it was you terrible. No, how you figure that? No one was adopted. What? Ricky Schroeder was adopted. He was adopted. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I thought, like I said, this, this old this old folk conversation. It really is. It really Five is. <laughs> it really is. It still wasn't a good show. Man, we moving on, man. Anyway, that's where he, that's where my first introduction to him was. But this whole thing with him saying, I think the biggest thing that I got from the article was he claims that this kid is innocent. And I'm like, he he killed a couple people. What are you talking about? So, man, so, I was done with this article after the second paragraph. Yeah, we have said, to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Schroeder, an ever supporter of gun ownership and 30-year NRA member. Yeah, about to done. Like, I, 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 I couldn't even remotely defend this dude because you gave money to hundreds of thousand dollars to help, you know, free Kyle Rittenhouse. And it's like, dude, he walked across state lines to kill some people. Yep. Like, really? He had his mom drive him. Yeah, he couldn't even drive himself. And, 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 yet, and yet he had that gun. And he walked past police. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, they handed him behind the line. Hey, he's got an AR-15 in his hand. Like, well, hey, up? it's like JD said. <laughs> look, that's look, all. And, and this is and this is the one time. This is one time where 
Twitter was a benefit because I saw all this unfold in real time on my timeline. Wow. So it was it was horrifying in the moment, but now to see, you know, I mentioned earlier a cult of personality. There's a cult of personality around this kid. I mean, we, yeah. we've got I don't remember the guy's name, but it was one of these Republicans that just won their congressional race and he's screaming all caps on Twitter, Kyle Rittenhouse for Congress. A, he's too young. B, I don't know if you can run for federal office when you're a convicted felon, but if anybody can do it, it's probably a Republican. <laughs> don't laugh, because Trump was our last president. I'm just telling you right I mean, now. anything's possible. Exactly. I'm waiting for him to pardon himself, because you know what's going to happen. And you know Trump could do this. Trump could do that. Either, either, either that or the morning of January 10th, he'll resign so that Pence can do it. Yo, you yeah. just, that was next level right there. That was next level. I hadn't even thought about that. And I'm surprised. Like, you like the, like That's the, not like the you, man. The morning of January, the morning of January 20th, when everybody's focusing on on Joe and Kamala, they'll just kind of sneak that one in there. Like, oh, by the way. But here's JD, the thing, JD. I've had a theory that Trump is going to not leave on the day he's supposed to. He's going to leave two days early. He's going to leave the country. And he's not coming back until 2024 when he runs again. Well, we know he's got a place. Let me let me put this to you. We all know what happens to Russian assets when they're no longer useful. Ooh. Oh, did I just do that? My bad. <laughs> you see, that's the thing. They're still using him. That's why they, he's going to go to Russia for a couple years and then come back and, ru- and run again in 2024. See, I, I don't think I don't think he's going to run in 2024, but I think he'll leave that little carrot dangling out there to keep the rest of his party in line because they'll know that if they something to piss him off, they're going to piss off all his voters. I, yep. Man, they True. might be the biggest dumb bunch of dumb idiots I've ever seen. See, look, they, they, you, they're not look, dumb. They just, they just, you know, somebody got them by the balls right now. There, That's, <laughs> there are people in Georgia on the Republican side who are threatening to boycott the Senate runoffs in January because Georgia did not adequately kowtow to Donald Trump's wishes. So they're they're willing to threaten those two Senate seats because cult of personality. I mean, and, and you know what? Refuse to vote to own the libs. See how that works for you. I mean, I don't I don't think that's a smart move. But hey, you know, we think it's smart. I mean, I mean like, my as wife long was, as they think it's smart, we good. My wife was telling me about that, and I started thinking. I said, "Wait a minute! If you don't vote, you didn't vote. So how you win if you didn't vote?" But they seem to think it's a great idea. And then we got, because see what they're doing is basically if they say they're not going to vote, they're assuming the other side, well, they're not voting, so we should win on a live side, so I'm not going to vote. Nah, man, no. they messed with the wrong one down there. Stacy got stuff going on. They messed with the wrong one. I'm telling you, CNN. They, they, they're they're going to wish she had won the governor's race two years ago. Exactly. Because yeah. I'm telling you, CNN helped us understand exactly what population means. Yeah, and, and people know, know have that knowledge now, and it's just like, oh, I'm gonna just show up because I know the whole state doesn't matter. It's just density of population. So it's keep playing. It's like I saw they showed the map of Nevada during all the coverage, and there's these two little tiny blue dots, yeah. and the rest is red. And everyone's like, wait a minute, how is Joe Biden winning? I'm like, because that red stuff is sand. Yeah, 
<laughs> the, the, exactly. the blue dots are where all the people live. It's called you desert. said the red <laughs> dots are sand. Like, yeah, cact- cactus don't vote. <laughs> wow. People don't wow. realize this, but Virginia's gotten blue because of Northern Virginia, the Richmond metro area, and to a lesser extent down here in Hampton Roads because that's where all the people live. I'm not going to lie, man. So I'm watching, I'm watching the Virginia stuff, and it's like 70% in. And it was like Trump crushing it. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, I bet there's a whole lot of people out there like, yeah, Virginia could turn red. And I'm thinking to myself, and, it, you, and then they show like Northern Virginia and it was still pale. And I was like, Northern Virginia ain't in yet. Yeah, boo boo the fool. Northern Virginia's vote. And sure enough, it went a day and a half. It's blue. And all those people were probably very upset. And it's just so, it's just so happening that that part of Virginia is also high COVID. But I digress. It's, it's it's high COVID, densely populated, and there's a lot of people who work in the... 30 people there for each. There's probably like five of them. Five five people, or maybe 10, who are literally like the type of person that person wants. And everybody else is just, you know, wall coverings. It just so happens, hey, sometimes you get the wall covering, sometimes you get the actual prize. It happens, but I mean, I just think that I think that are we doing this? That we, if we're gonna, if something that's gonna happen, you just got to make sure it's done one for the right reasons, and two because if you put if you put somebody up there that the person doesn't want, they're gonna be gone on to the first day. So why would you put anybody through that? You know, the bachelor. I like I watched the first episode because I was curious. And because I don't watch this garbage, but the thing about it is, like, it was like 30 women, and I think he shrunk it down to like, I don't know, to like 23 after the first day. And then I guess last episode, they brought like six new women in the house. And I'm just like, yo, I mean, it's feast or famine out in that piece. So it's like, you know, it's, it's all is all about shallowness. So I, I think. If we're gonna start, if we're gonna advocate for stuff, we need to advocate for the right stuff. And like I said, can, can I, can I, can I just try to? Who is advocating for this? Like, is anybody really advocating for this, or do we, have we just reached a point in society where we are literally looking for the thing that we want to complain so we can try to cancel something? So, because of this situation. Um, you know, he went on the reel and condemned about what was said about her. And um, ABC declined to comment to Yahoo Life. But then the author of One to Watch, which is a novel that explores what it might be f- like for a fat woman to star on a show like The Bachelorette, suggests that James had already condoned such behavior by signing up for a show riddled with issues surrounding body image. Because let's just be honest, like, I mean, literally, man. I don't think that girl's big at all. I don't. Even, I wouldn't even consider her plus size. Wait, 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 wait. So he, so she's basically saying that the bachelor is already not down for the cause because he agreed to be on the show. That's what she said, and I think she's an idiot. But it's what. <sighs> yeah, you you can't. And but that's the whole thing, man. That's why I'm saying the show itself is shallow because, like, there's like they're they're saying that Victoria's plus size. She is not plus size. 
she's not even close to plus size. And it's just like, if you consider that plus size, this show is so shallow. It's like, like you just got to know what you're looking at, man. All and, right, man. Let me... Uh, man, I don't, I don't want to be this guy. But... I don't want to be this guy, but all right. So we mad. So she's mad at old boy for agreeing to be on the show because the show is already demeaning to women by their selective nature and what they find aesthetically pleasing. So he is 100% can't be down for the cause because he agreed to be on a show with a whole bunch of beautiful women trying to get his attention. All right. So if this, I know it sounds, it sounds, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm trying to make this like relatable so that anybody who may like agree with that, what I think is stupidity, like, can you know, bring it home. All right. So let's, let's reverse this. And I'm not going to say that, a woman is being shallow if you know on a show she agrees to be on a show that she knows it's going to be a whole bunch of dude with six and eight packs up there chiseled looking good i'm not even going to say she's shallow for that because that's unrelatable because women will be like well women look past you know physical attributes all right so let's say let's say instead of let's focus on how these dudes look let's say I said, hey, be the bachelorette. It's going to be 30 broke-ass dudes with no jobs, no money, no bank. And she would be like, why would I want to do that to myself? Well, hey, these dudes might have great personality. They might be full of ambition. Like, how are you just going to be so shallow and, and not even give these broke dudes a chance? Like, I mean, so why is he shallow for being like, well... I'm cool with you putting, you know, 30, 40 fine women around me and seeing which one I select. Like, I don't feel like a dude should have to come up there and be like, I'm only going to be on your show if there are women all over the spectrum represented. I need some big chicks, some tall chicks, some little chicks, some skinny chicks, some white chicks, some dark chicks. Like, I mean, why does he, why is that his responsibility? <laughs> like, and, and why can't he be against body shaming but still not necessarily want to be with a bigger woman why can't both be the case like i mean if a dude's like hey i don't like i don't like be i don't like big tricks i don't find them attractive i ain't knocking them for it if a woman says i don't find short dudes attractive i ain't knocking her for it that's that's what she finds attractive now if she for some reason is like I hate little motherfuckers. Like, all right, you being looks, you know, you ain't got to care like that. You, you just ain't attracted to them. That's cool. Like, like it's it's not like old boy. Like, I get it. Everybody feels like he should have just told his friend, "Hey, that's not right, man. You can't do this." But let's be honest. We all got one friend that says dumb stuff all the time. We would be spending all of our energy every time we with this person if we had to fight with them every time they said something stupid the fact that he didn't even really acknowledge it means this ain't the first time he said stupid stuff before and him and his friends probably just be like hey man that's just he's an idiot i mean we love him he cool 
He just idiot. And that's always the one who's holding the camera recording stuff. <laughs> that's the dude whose camera you should take away. But yeah, I mean, no, nah, I'm with you, man, because we never hear about this when the Bachelorette's on TV. Nobody's calling for for big for big dudes on the Bachelorette. You know, I'm just like the double standard is real. But when it's all said and done, look, man, in the, in the article there, women it said, hey, you know, somebody was like, when can we see someone above a size six on the show? And I'm just like, first of all, I understand that the majority of people who watch this show are women. But like, I mean, you are you should already know what this show is about. So that's what I don't get. That's what I don't get. You complain about something that you already know what it is. I mean, look, man. I don't get it. You know, we've talked about it all. It's it's, it's the fragility of, um, I guess, women's self-esteem now when it comes to, to body issues that our society has created. But if you ask my opinion, like, women ain't helping it. Because, like, I don't know. I just don't see. And I get it because we don't face the same social pressures to look a certain way, I guess. I mean, I guess. I'm going to say I guess very loosely because um, on The Bachelorette, I don't see too many um, big dudes up there. I don't oh, see no man. I don't see no man boobs. Um, Not at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you know what I also don't see? I don't see a lot of dudes being like, yo, that's messed up. Because like, we watch that trash. Even like, if we did. I mean, I'm just saying. We know, we know what's up. Like, we know. Like, look, as a guy, I know that a large majority of the female population would probably prefer to see a dude take his shirt off and see some abs I'm not saying that's what every chick's looking for I'm just saying I understand that that is stereotypically what the mark for you know the manly man is he's got you know he's ripped do I lose sleep over it no I just know that when I go to the beach I keep my shirt on you know what I'm saying so we all feel good I remember the last time I don't remember the last time I've taken my shirt off in public. Or if I take my shirt off, I'd be like, yo, this ain't for you. This is my comfort. Yeah, nobody wants to see that. It's for my comfort. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Ew. No, that means you look away. Yeah, if you don't like it, cool. Somebody else will. Yeah. And I feel I that's what it is. I guess I guess us as men do have the luxury of feeling like that's not the only thing we're measured on but but that's because you can't take your pants off yeah i mean i I hate i hate to equate it i hate to equate aesthetics to money but i feel like it's 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 relatable like because as a broke dude i might be like yeah i know if i had more money I probably would be more sexually appealing to a lot of women. I'm just, I'm just and you also and I'm not calling health. any lady who feels I'm not I'm not saying that women are just shallow in that way. I'm just saying that Yeah, I wanna know what you just said. 
I'm just saying that society <laughs> has told me that men with more money have more options. <laughs> I like when you put that together. You had to, you had to slow roll that. <laughs> yeah, I ain't calling. I ain't saying she a gold digger. I mean, but she does like to be financially stable. <laughs> yeah, she wants security. Yeah, security. Oh yeah, I mean, cause let's be real, a dude who's driving the Benz and me driving my Focus on my Fusion. I mean, yes, yeah, somebody I'm up take, here like I'm gonna take that L. Yeah, somebody up here said, "Yo, man, a POS with money got more options. It's just what it is." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, listen, pretty much listen to every hip hop song. <laughs> you ain't got no money. What what's that song? If you ain't got a job, you ain't gonna be with me. I mean, Chris Brown said these these ain't loyal. I mean, yeah, gotta get the luxury rental car. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the weekend. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, stop body shaming people. People, I mean, look, man, love yourself. And you don't need to be on no show. It's not tax bracket shaming people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. Don't tax bracket shame me because I'm po. So in brand new news that wasn't on it that wasn't on a show, apparently Matthew Stafford got traded today. Or we'll Yay. get to the Rams. Yay, I just want my boy to have a chance to win. And for Jared Goff. You, you can't do that in Detroit. Jared Goff. Two first round picks and a third round pick. Third round pick this year, first round pick next year, and the year after. And they get rid of Jared Goff. So basically, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, how did how, how did the Lions win in this? Like, I think they took a massive L. Cause literally. Well, let me hold on. Let me change. That. Well, they got the they got the picks. No, no. Yeah, I was got. I was about to say I had it wrong. Yeah, they, they got the picks, and I mean, look. Let's be honest. They got the picks, and they don't necessarily have to get a quarterback now, because that's the thing. Everybody was like, you know, you get the picks so you can draft one of these quarterbacks. You get the picks, you ain't gotta draft a quarterback right now, because even with a, a rookie quarterback, your team sucks. So why not take these these all these picks you're getting right now? get a whole bunch of talent this year and then maybe next year you get a quarterback. Well, no, it's not a whole bunch of and talent. Then Jer- and, then, and then Jared Goff, I mean, is he great? No. Not, it's just a financial hit for Jared Goff. But no, the situation is they only get one pick this year, which is a third round pick. They don't get the first round picks to 2022 or 2023. But so that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, you get your, you you take the first you take the pick you got golf who's like your your pause quarterback so this year you know you like hey we get what we get we got a quarterback we ain't got to press for that right now and then next year if there's really a quarterback out there that you like yo this is the dude you got the capital to pull the trigger Yeah, but I think the or now they got the draft capital. If they really think one of the dudes in the draft this year is the dude, they got all the they got all the picks in the world to move up in the draft. Yeah, but I guess the big thing is 
you know, the Jared Goff situation, next year they can cut him without getting penalized. Correct? No. No, that's that's a Madden rule. That's not a real life rule. Oh, dang it. So I mean, cause but but they don't they don't owe him like um they just owe him his salary because the signing bonus stuff when people say guaranteed money, they're talking about the the signing bonus money. And yeah. that money's already been paid. Yeah. I mean, because golf is a little bit more expensive than Stafford, right? I don't really know. I think he's Who's more. Golf think costs golf, more. Yeah, golf costs more. Yeah. So, I mean, but then again, he you don't have the guaranteed money tied with him. So no, nah, they probably could get rid of him. Yeah. So, you know, and then somebody was bringing saying, ah, oh, it's going to drive that price for. Um, what you call him up? Deshaun Watson, which basically means that the Washington football team will be rolling with either Alex next year or Heineke or somebody else or somebody they're going to get off the free agent list because we're not going to pay the price that Houston wants because we shouldn't. And because we would, I mean, like, I get it. He's a one in generational talent, but unless we're talking about first round draft picks in the future, like, I give him this first this year, next year. Heck, they got the third one. But I ain't giving him no players. I mean, for what? That's dumb. That's well. I think I think the reason the the player was given up in this one was um. Well, because they got to get rid of golf. They can't keep both of them. Yeah, I was about to say because.